You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Dog training is a very big subject, and it seems to be getting bigger every day as we learn more and more about the science of animals and behavior. But for all we learn about dogs and behavior and science, we are still training a real live dog. And you can't do that by considering scenarios and being hypothetical in your head. All of the discussions on the Internet don't train a single dog. Knowledge is important, but it won't mean much unless you apply it in the real world. Author and professor of animal science Dr. Temple Grandin has a wonderfully direct way of putting it. She says, quote, I get satisfaction out of seeing stuff that makes real change in the real world. We need a lot more of that and a lot less abstract stuff, unquote. I couldn't agree with Dr. Grandin more. This is Canine Nation. In addition to these podcasts, Canine Nation appears at Life is a Human, the online magazine. You can find an archive of all the Canine Nation articles at caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. Canine Nation also has its own website at caninenation.ca, and here you can find an archive and links to all of our podcasts and all of the articles at Life is a Human. Hi, and welcome to Canine Nation. I'm your host, Eric Brad. One of the stranger parts of doing this podcast is that the articles I present here are roughly two or three months behind what I'm writing and publishing at the Life as a Human online magazine. That might seem odd, but it's just something I agreed to for the folks at Life as a Human. If you want to read the latest and greatest, you can go there and read words on a screen. Or you can just wait a little while and I'll podcast it for you soon. The reason that feels strange to me is that each of these podcasts becomes a weird excursion into what I was trying to say eight or ten weeks ago. It shoves me out of my current context, and I get to reread and reconsider these topics all over again. And then I get to tell you what's going on with me these days, just before I read what was in my head a few months ago. So it may sound somewhat disconnected, and in a way, it is. I just wanted you to know why it may sound strange. It certainly feels strange to me at times. Anyway, thank you all for your comments. You can always email me at eric at caninenation.ca, or you can leave your comments at the website. I love hearing from you. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. 
Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the tales of the city. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Remember how much fun it was to run into dog people while out at the park? especially if they were as into dogs and training as you were. I always looked forward to those chats with like-minded people where we could compare notes and share ideas. Well, these days, with social media sites like Facebook, Google+, or Pinterest, I can have all of those doggy chats at any time of the day or night. And you would think that they would be as much fun as the chats at the park. But I've discovered that's not always true. Oh, some of them can be wonderful and even enlightening. I've met some great dog people on social media, and they have helped me with some training challenges. But the downside of online conversations is that there are no dogs there. We can't see what we're talking about. It's all stories and what-if and hypothetical stuff. I think we need to be careful about that and keep our perspective. We need to keep our conversation civil, but we also need to talk about real dogs and real issues. This is my article, Training Dogs in Your Head. Dog experts are everywhere, whether it's because they have owned dogs their whole lives or because they have read the latest books by a celebrity dog trainer, they know how dogs work and how to train them. Can you blame people for thinking that way? I can't. Dog people love talking about dogs, and the diversity of opinions and information makes for some fascinating, enlightening, and frustrating conversations. But now scientists have taken an interest in dogs and dog behavior and are presenting us with lots of new information on how to live with and train our dogs. And those conversations have gotten even more, um, interesting. With the emergence of the Internet and social networks like Facebook, the debates about what is right and wrong in how we train dogs have exploded onto millions of computers. Now dog owners around the world have those doggy debates at all hours of the day and night from the comfort of their sofa, bedroom, or home office. You would think that all of this conversation would be a great benefit to the dog world. Input from tens of thousands of training professionals, pet dog owners, researchers, and scientists could raise our understanding and awareness of dog behavior and training at an incredible pace. You would think so, but... In the words of a dear friend of mine in the dog world, not so much. There are reputations and egos at stake here. No one likes to be wrong about things, certainly not on something so public as the Internet. And it can be hard to change minds when the subject of the discussion remains, due to biology, completely mute. We can't simply ask the dogs to explain themselves. So we watch them and interact with them, and we cogitate, speculate, postulate, and pontificate about every aspect of our dogs. Can there be reasonable discussion about dogs on the Internet? Sure, it happens all the time. But more often, these discussions fall into finding supporters, countering detractors, defending positions, and demanding proof from authoritative sources. Then come the debates about whose authoritative sources are valid and whose are not. 
Scenarios are proposed. We are asked how we would handle this or that hypothetical situation with this or that hypothetical dog. Then it's time to sit back and watch the fun as point and counterpoint are offered from various points of view. Discussions that present what-if scenarios get dissected and hashed out from every possible angle. Many times, the scenarios are chosen to support a particular point of view. The main difficulty I have with many of these discussions is that they are entirely hypothetical. The solutions and opinions being offered are most often entirely derived from speculation and interpretation of dog behavior and training information, scientific or otherwise. Remarkably, some of the hypothetical solutions proposed in these discussions turn out to be inaccurate once you move beyond the hypothetical and move into the reality of what has been tested with real dogs in real situations. One case in point was the revelation by author and researcher Dr. Brian Hare that dogs understand when humans point at things to direct their attention. Discussions on various Facebook groups suggested all kinds of ways that this ability in dogs could be used in training. But I have seen dozens of dogs ignore their handler who was clearly pointing at the next obstacle on an agility course. My experience in the real world was in conflict with what was being proposed. And yet the justification for this truth of the ability to understand pointing seemed to be repeated references to the work of Dr. Hare and Dr. Adam McClosey, who had done similar research in Hungary. I had the opportunity to discuss this with Dr. McClosey this past summer at a conference. McClosey told me that in tests where dogs were let into a room where the handler was already standing in a pointing posture, the dogs scored no better than random chance in getting the correct choice. This is in stark contrast to the results of other tests that showed that dogs who were shown pointing gestures, where the dogs actually saw the arm move toward the correct choice, got the correct choice at least 70% of the time. So, did the dogs learn the concept of pointing, or were they just following some instinctive response to follow the movement of the tester's arm? A good question, and one that is being studied further in many places. The problem is that the online discussions can continue to point to these studies and use them in training the hypothetical dogs. They are, after all, published studies by reputable scientists in the field, and there is a large body of research and information to draw from when discussing dog behavior and training, some from the academic community and some from professionals working with dogs in everyday life. This raises another important difficulty. Scientific research is not a recent phenomenon. Published research extends back into the early 1900s and beyond. Newer research can augment, support, or even invalidate previous studies. Just because someone can provide a published source of scientific information from 1964 doesn't mean that the content of that study remains valid today. There is history to be considered and the body of work relating to that topic since 1964, but that would take time and effort to research, and this is not something that fits in well with the light-speed discussion style of Internet communications. And then there is the problem of hearsay. A friend of a friend who has 15 titles on her dogs in this or that dog sport uses insert training method or idea here, and it works great. Sometimes it's just something that someone heard at a seminar one time or saw in a YouTube video. While these kinds of anecdotes may be informative and interesting, they can leave out important bits of information like 
how long that training took, what conditions need to be set up to make it work, what relationship the dog and the trainer have, or the skill levels of the particular dog and trainer involved. Usually, it's the relative fame of the trainer that plays a major role. The more well-known the source, the more credible the information is assumed to be. Another factor in the credibility of these anecdotal sources is the number of times they have been repeated and where they have been shared. The rise of online communities like Facebook has allowed a form of folklore to evolve even faster and spread more widely than ever before. You only need to look at the number of online communities that have cropped up based on the television show The Dog Whisperer, where participants can develop entire training regimes based on heavily edited scenes of a well-known dog trainer using techniques without explaining in any depth how or when to appropriately use them. People are going to talk about dogs, on the internet and elsewhere, and all of the published material and anecdotes can be valuable in our discussions. But the one thing that I don't see often enough in these discussions is actual experience with dogs. Remember that? Working with dogs? We can discuss a concept or technique until we are blue in the face, but what has your actual experience with it been? How does it work with your dog? Did you find it easy or difficult to implement? Have you tried it with a real, breathing dog? It's a bit like the difference between theoretical and applied science. Theoretical scientists love the pure science of formulas and equations and principles and concepts. They spend hours working out how things should work based on the principles and concepts involved. The applied scientists are more concerned with solving real-world problems. All of that theory doesn't mean a hill of beans to them if you can't fix a bridge or get a rocket to Mars. Often, the theoretical is seen as superior to the applied science because it's all done in the mind. It is more pure science. Granted that theoretical science has provided many important contributions to mankind's body of knowledge, but applied science gave us electric lights and the Internet. So the theoretical discussions out there on the Internet about training hypothetical dogs can have its value, but we shouldn't lose sight of the applied nature of what we now know about dogs and training. One of the key functions of applied science is to test theory under actual conditions and see if they are in fact valid, or if they require some revision based on the new data that we may gain. You remember data, right? That stuff you gather when you actually work with dogs so you know what works and what doesn't? I think it's very important that we not just speculate, interpolate, and regurgitate the science or history of dog behavior and training in an effort to construct hypothetical formulas for training or solving behavioral issues. We should actually go out and try this stuff and report back what we're finding. A bucket of real data is worth an ocean of could-be, should-be hypothetical speculation. I'm a great believer that our best source of information about dogs and their behavior comes from working with the dogs directly. Our dogs are the ultimate authority on what is and is not true about dogs, about what dogs do and don't do, what dogs are and what they are not. If we spend less time dealing with the hypothetical and more time working with the dogs and collecting data, imagine what we could learn. Imagine if we could share all that data that we collect, maybe even over the Internet. It's not enough to speculate and discuss. We need to continue to ask better and deeper questions. We need to stop training dogs in our heads and talk about 
what we are actually doing with our dogs. The truth is there in our dogs, but we have to make the effort with them and share what we find. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I don't have any resources for you this week, but I would encourage you to have a look at your favorite forums or social media groups and see if anything I've said here resonates with your experiences online. I think we have a tremendous opportunity to share our knowledge and be better trainers by using those online communities effectively. Perhaps see what you can do to improve your favorite groups or sites and get the focus back onto working with our dogs and not just about debating the hypothetical. Don't forget you can pick up any of my ebooks from dogwise.com, a great resource for anything you're looking for with regard to dogs, DVDs, books, toys, and more. Also check out our Canine Nation Facebook page and our Canine Nation Forum Facebook group. We also have a Canine Nation Google Plus community where you can also add your discussions if you prefer that. And finally, we have a Twitter account that you can communicate with us on. It's canine underscore nation. If you have a question or comment for us, please feel free to contact the Canine Nation podcast at barks at caninenation.ca. We look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, take care of the dogs. Bye for now. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.